Uh, hey friends, welcome to The Deep Dive. We are in a series about the life of Jacob where we're looking at uh, re relationships uh, and our experience of redemption through uh, the life and story of Jacob. Uh, your brother's name is Jacob. Um, it's the content you guys come for. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, you can, <laughs> tell us, what does that name mean? No, I'm kidding. Um, what we're going to do today, uh, because we are uh, kind of getting into some of the like, um, let's go with like the grayer parts of Jacob's story, where he acts in some ways that we couldn't really call honest. Yeah. And there's questions that come up through that. So we're going to read this passage, mm -hmm. and I'd encourage you to, uh, if you're driving or just listening, you know, make sure to hear uh, these are the, this is the passage of Scripture in Genesis 27. Um, or if you are in a place where you can open your Bible and follow along, uh, read it. And then after that, we'll talk about um, how, do we, how do we process a story like this? What do we do? Uh, you know, in terms of someone that we uh, we would call a hero of the faith yeah. uh, when we see them not acting in heroic ways. I so. think reading the Bible on its own is a skill that has to be developed. Yeah. Like mm. this idea of like eyes to see, how do we read this well? Like we could read these verses and ask the wrong questions. So how do we ask the right questions? Like mm. what does the author intend for us to see? And what is God trying to communicate through these texts? Because it's not like... Yeah. It's not like we can just read this and be like, oh, I can make up whatever I want this to mean. Like there's yeah. a very clear, well, there should be a very set thing and we need to learn how to see that's right. the clarity within the text. Yeah, that's right. Well, to that end, let's dive into the text. Yeah. Uh, I think we both have the same uh, version in mm -hmm. front of us. So uh, why don't you start and go paragraph for paragraph? Okay. Uh, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his old, older son, and said to him, my son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me, so that I may eat, and my soul may, that, I'm, ugh, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebecca uh, was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speaking to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare for them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Uh, perhaps... <laughs> That's right. Perhaps my father will feel my arm, will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice and go bring them to me. I feel like we should interject here. You and I are probably great examples in our facial hair. Absolutely. The, com <laughs> the comparison between... If you're confused how to interpret that passage, Esau like, <laughs> Jacob like. Thank yeah. you for calling there me Jacob go. in this story. <laughs> it's also been a week since I shaved. Nice. Uh, me too. Great. Anyways, so he went and took them and brought them to his mother and prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, and when, which were her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. 
and the skins of the young goats and put them on the hands and on the smooth parts of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she prepared into the hands of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And so he answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac, oh, I clicked the wrong button, excuse me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy, like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate. And he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near, kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of the field the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, to her, Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. 
Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother, in Haran, and stay with him a while, until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from, from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite woman. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Hmm. Okay, so you mentioned, uh, that's the end of chapter 27, mm -hmm. and you mentioned at the beginning that, you know, it's really important the questions we ask of the text are the questions it's asking us to ask, uh, if that's a way to say it. What yeah. questions should we be asking here? Yeah, I think the question is, how, like, how are we supposed to view Jacob mm. in a good sense? Like, the Esau says, isn't he rightly named Jacob, which can mean deceiver or like he cheats or in some yeah. capacity. And yeah. Earlier on, he took away uh, the birthright and now he steals the blessing. It's like, how are we supposed to view him? Like in scripture, later on, spoiler alert, like goes on to be, get, receive the name Israel yeah. and like to be a big part of the covenant people of yeah. God. And so how are we supposed to view him? Like, are we supposed to say, hey, man, stinks to be Esau. Jacob's totally in the right. Mm. I don't know that that's probably an accurate way of looking at it. Like, to me, when I read this, I think we should probably sympathize with Esau. Yeah. Like, they're looking at some, like, Jewish writings that, that the Jewish style of reading this might be to relate and to sympathize with Esau. Like, yeah. you don't always see emotions deeply within text like this, but yeah. to cry out and to be hurt like that. I think it's very natural to side with Esau yeah. emotionally. Yeah, that um, that piece that was a, er, earlier today when we were talking about this passage with the teaching team, and you, you asked that question, how would a uh, maybe a rabbi read this story? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Google search, and we'll assume that the rabbi we read, you know, was, yeah. um, it, but he had some really good insights. And one of that the insights was like, even when Abraham ties up Isaac to take him to the altar back in Genesis, what was that, 15, 16, somewhere in there? Yeah. Um, I may be off on that, but... Um, 15.6 is credited to Abraham as righteousness. So okay. 16 is right after that. So somewhere in there. It's right after that, 16.17. Okay. So it's like Genesis Eight, you know, 19, so, so, somewhere there. Welcome to Calvary Church. Samsonite. I was way off. It's an yeah. old movie reference. Yeah. But, um, yeah. okay, so in that vignette, when Abraham is binding Isaac because the Lord had told him to sacrifice him, like no great emotion is described, even though you can imagine the pain mm -hmm. in both Abraham and the confusion in Isaac. But here yeah. we're brought into both um, Isaac's uh, reaction, mm -hmm. this violent, deep, uh, traumatic grief, and Esau's reaction, yeah. this weeping over his losing. So I, I do think you're right. The text wants us to see um, Jacob's actions as uh, hurtful. Yeah. And I think it's easy to anyone who we admire to w gloss over their mm. shortcomings and faults. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit. God has no good options. You know mm. what I mean? We, yeah. um, God chooses some old man named Abram who has no kids to yeah. be the father of many. Yeah. It seems like a bad choice. You know, like it seems like it would make more sense, yeah. parentheses or quotation marks, um, to pick someone who has lots of kids, who's young, who, who's able to be, be fertile. But God says, no, like this is my person. Yeah. And the same way, like 
Jacob seems like a bad choice. He's already deceiving multiple people. He's going to continue to have some issues in the future, and yeah. he's not a good choice. And not that that takes him out of the possibility of being a part of the people of God. God's yeah. grace is strong enough to cover over that. But at the same time, we need to acknowledge and understand, like, he's a broken person. Yeah. And we should be thankful for the grace in his life and not gloss over the brokenness because yeah. that can be dangerous for anyone. We're all bad choices. Mm. Every one of us struggles with sin in a different capacity. And when we gloss over any of our sins, we really gloss over the grace and the power of God. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. And I, I think that's difficult because I think sometimes we want to believe that maybe that because we've accepted Christ that now we're now we're the good guys. Yeah. And I, I, I guess there, that's true in a sense. Like, uh, you certainly are gaining everything in Christ. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe to forget the situation we found ourselves in, that Christ found us in. The, maybe when we forget kind of the, the effect of this old earth, so to speak, on us. Like, um, I, I remember there's a passage where uh, Jesus tells his disciples essentially, like, not to get too worked up about what's going on in, around them, but to be grateful for their salvation. Like yeah. it's not about their greatness as much as it is their participation. Yeah. Um, so from that, I, 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 I don't think it's wrong or bad, but I, I do hear people talk about the heroes of the faith. Yeah. Um, and Hebrews 11 lists a lot of people who did things by faith mm-hmm. and are considered in some ways um, their faith as a model, right? But that idea of like being heroic, um, of heroism, uh, how, do you, how do you view this very broken part of Jacob's life, even though even Jesus himself will later say, refer to God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, what do we do? Yeah, that's a tough one because God describes himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like this Jacob. Like a hero, Hmm. gosh, even that word hero of the faith, I feel like is not bad, but it's hard to understand. Because when I read this story, like, who's the hero in this story? Hmm. Is it Jacob? It's a a bad hero (laughs) for like, because all this dude does is deceive people and lie and cheat and steal. Right. And it's not Isaac because Isaac gets deceived. Yeah. It's not Esau because he's. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe there's. Sometimes one of my biggest frustrations, here we go for this part, one of my biggest frustrations within Christian communities is we try to whitewash everything. Like, hey, like, I know this situation is really, really bad, Mm. but silver lining. And, like, I think that's dangerous Mm. to add silver linings to places. I remember Mm. uh, my grandfather's funeral, my wife's grandfather, considering my own, and at the funeral, the guy was trying to find a silver lining. He's like, you know, now Je- he's on a, on a boat fishing with Jesus. I was like, one, maybe, right? Like, mm. maybe that's it. But, like, why are we looking for silver linings in places that are just all bad? Yeah. Like, can we, are we unable to acknowledge the depravity of our circumstances? Yeah. Like, I think if we deny the depravity that we're in, we're denying the strength of God's grace and power to overcome that. And for us to look at this story and to yeah. say, this is all bad. Bad stuff happens. Let's not try to find a silver lining and, and spin this as good, but instead acknowledge the brokenness. And I think that yeah. 
for me is something much more relatable because I've been in those moments where like someone says tries to silver line something like I want to throw hands dude like I don't I don't need that I need to process through the brokenness and not pretend like it's good and I think we need to do that for ourselves Um, I I I can't claim that I've studied this in depth at this point so this is a little bit of just Dan conjecturing and going off what he he knows Mm -hmm. at this point but um, as I understand it you know the next scene is Jacob goes to uh, this man named Laban mm-hmm. and works for him in order to gain a wife, which I'm not... Gain a wife. Yeah, I'm just One saying. It's, it's how, I guess that's how they rolled, but, um, which is also a terrible way to say that or acknowledge, like, it probably wasn't good for the women in that situation. But he goes down and he's working, and when Laban gets to the point where Jacob's terms of the their agreement should result in him... Um, I think getting uh, Rachel uh, mm-hmm. to be his wife. Yep. Instead, Laban gives him Leah and says, like, in our country, um, we don't give the younger what basically the firstborn is owed. Like, get, yeah. And so, like, Jacob almost has to, like, come face to face with what his deception was yeah. here. The younger took the older's yeah. blessing, and in this sense, yeah. this sa- the same thing happens to him. And so yeah. now he spends more time and works... Yeah. So that now he can have two wives, which polygamy, that's another giant question. And, you know, we don't, we don't <laughs> yeah, see, we like, we don't see necessarily scripture advocating for these practices as much as demonstrating that, like, you know, Jacob's brokenness kind of chases after him. Yeah. Gets him to a point where he has to reckon a bit. And a few chapters later, we do see Jacob try to give Esau mm-hmm. something of a blessing Turn. Yeah. And what is that? You know, is that um, yeah. is that some sense of repentance along the way? Is that some sense of obligation? Yeah. Um, is he trying to rub it in his face? Like, I, I don't know. But I do know that Jacob is consistently humbled, especially by the time Jacob's son, Joseph, you know, goes to Egypt and Jacob gets caught into Egypt. Yeah. I feel like you see a humbled Jacob by that point. So whatever his story yeah, arc is. Run, when I read about him later yeah. on, I feel like he just feels run down. Oh, he's exhausted. He's been through it. Like, yeah. you know, he's thought that his own his own son has been killed. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking, you brought up polygamy, which is everyone's favorite topic. Mm. And I don't know that scripture ever, like, speaks out blatantly, like, hey, don't do that. Right. And we see, like, King David have yeah. multiple wives. That's and right. it's one of those topics where scripture may not speak against it necessarily, but when yeah. it shows up, it seems to be in negative lighting. Yeah. You know, like when David goes and gets another... Yeah lady yeah it's bad <laughs> like it leads to bad situation yeah and here like when there are multiple wives like i think as we read narratively we see like it's it's not supposed to be like this yeah you know? it's not advocating it's yeah. acknowledging yeah um i i think mm-hmm. your question at the beginning is right what questions are we supposed to be asking of the text yeah so when you know, let's say we're reading this with, uh, whether it's teens that you work with, students you work with, or um, my, my kids or whatever, yeah. and, and the question almost naturally jumps out of the human mind and heart, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's in the Bible, does that mean it's okay? Yeah. But, I mean, we see adults do this too, like, yeah. well, the Bible said it was okay. Well, what's the question that the Bible's raising about mm-hmm. this, you know? Um, yeah, I, I, I just think that's such an important question as we ap- approach Scripture. If we want to understand it, we have to take it on its own terms, hear it in mm-hmm. its own words, and ask the questions that it asks. Yeah, and it's so much harder than just opening up, like flipping to some pages, reading and pretending like we, have, we understand it. Like, yeah. 
we've spent some, I feel like we've both spent quite a good amount of time in this text. Yeah. And I still look and I still think like, what am I exactly supposed to gain from this? And I need to be careful that like, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize mm. reading the text. Like, man, I need to read the Bible because it is the Word of God. Yeah. And it is a great gift for me to even be able to participate in it. But yeah. I still want, like, what can I learn from this? What can I mm. learn about who God is? And for students, I started this practice where after every teaching time where we have smaller questions, it starts with, uh, what do you see in this text? Yeah. What is the author trying to communicate to the audience? Yeah. And what does it teach us about God? And like for these, I see different things in the text. Like the author, I'm not exactly sure what the author's trying to communicate. Maybe that God uses broken people. Mm. Maybe he's, it's probably he's just telling the story. Moses just writing to tell the story yeah. to the people. And what do I see about God is like, man, if God can use Jacob, like maybe he can use me too. Mm. You know what I mean? Maybe that is something to take away from and like, yeah. Or to just be in awe of God did use this guy yeah. to create the 12 tribes and yeah. to have all these impacts that keep it building upon each other. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that you said, um, you know, it can be difficult. It can be hard to read the scripture. And I, I, I hear like this counter question that I, I know already because uh, of our friendship that you'd agree with. But maybe that is part of the gift is yeah. it's a story that doesn't come yeah. to us as a truism or a, as a simplified you know idiot's guide to Yahweh yeah. Um, yeah but what it does is it comes to us with a lot of complexity and it invites us to not just read it today uh, but to study it over a lifetime mm -hmm. and to wrestle with the things like it almost it almost like if something's going to train our hearts it's going to have to be something we wrestle with if it's just going to stroke our ego, then it's going to be something we can get a hold of real quickly and say, oh, I get that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I would encourage, uh, you know, our, our readers that... Um, read your Bibles. Read your Bibles, and it's okay to be confused. And yeah. It's okay to sit with it for a, a long time um, yeah. and tease at it and let it eat at you and kind of like work your way into a deeper understanding of what God's redemptive yeah. story looks like yeah. in Scripture and in our lives. Us Westerners really don't like mystery. No. Which, like, when it comes to dealing with God, <laughs> you know, there's going to be mystery in a beautiful mystery. Um, but Eastern people's tent and thought tends to be much more comfortable with yeah. mystery. And yeah. we, as Americans, tend to be like, nope, problem. A plus B squared equals C squared. Triangle. Pythagoras. Pythagorean. That's right. Theorem. So, uh, one last thought. Um, yeah. This kind of reminds me that maybe some of our listeners or even ourselves, uh, mm -hmm. we have probably gone through moments where we have been deceived yeah. and where we have been deceptive. And mm -hmm. so the, in reading this story, there's a likelihood that, you know, it hurts on a level. Yeah. And I, I just, I guess where I'd like to land is with exactly what you said, Matt. Like mm -hmm. maybe God's grace is bigger than those moments in our lives, whether we've been shamed or shamefully treated, mm -hmm. or ourselves experience shame. Um, you know, the Lord came to be truth for us mm -hmm. and in us, not because we ourselves were truthful. And um, that's kind of a beautiful hope, you know, especially if we deal with either grief or trauma or shame over the own, our own deceptions we've experienced and perpetrated. Yeah. So. Yeah, building off, like, we have all probably been deceived, like, looking forward towards Esau's response. Like what happens when Esau sees Jacob yeah. again? 
Like, mm -hmm. he runs over and embraces him, gives him a kiss, they leap together. Like, it's a really sweet ending to a, a terrible situation. Yeah. You know, and I hope that I treat situations like Esau. Esau got mad at first, right? And then chapters later, he responds well. And I hope that I, in moments of anger, can not bury that anger. I don't think burying emotions is healthy, no. but can wrestle with certain emotions and then move toward reconciliation with others. Yeah. 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 Even if, gosh, I get really caught up in being right or wrong, and when I'm wronged and I'm in the right, I can be self-righteous as <laughs> anyone. And so for me, like, hmm. that's a desire of like, man, I hope I can handle situations like Esau. Hopefully it doesn't qu take quite as much time, yeah. but when I'm wrong, like, yeah. I would love to respond to that capacity. It strikes me. Um, you know, Jesus was, uh, his friend deceived greatly mm -hmm. at the end of his life. Yep. And I wonder if there's something in that, that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, you know, suffers a deception and yet retains, um, retains his birthright, so to speak. And uh, in fact, uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm doing a little too much with words, but captures the blessing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, it's, there's a lot there. But thank you. Thank you for your honesty. For sure. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, friends, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thank you also for your participation in worship as we look uh, through the past two weeks and the upcoming six weeks, so eight weeks total in the life of Jacob, a redemptive look at our stories through uh, the story of Jacob. Thanks for listening to The Deep Dive, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.